it was on our first day. It's a three-day trip. And we kind of came around this corner. And there were um, two young girls uh, riding their bikes with their dad. And uh, so they were kind of coming incoming on us. And we rode up to them and we were facing off with each other. And uh, we were looking down at them, like huge smiles, like so super stoked to see this like cute little scene. And they were looking up at us with their eyes like big and bright. And uh, it was just this awesome juxtaposition of like, you know, in not too many years, like you're going to be here, hopefully. How do we make sure that you are here, that you keep up with what you're doing now? Hey, what's up? This is Kat. Welcome to the Joyride. Hey, what's up, Joyriders? This is Kat, and you're listening to episode number 40 of the Joyride podcast, where we celebrate women on bikes. Why? Because I believe in the transformative power of the bike in our personal lives, our communities, and the world at large. The Joyride is a listener-supported show, so if you're picking up what I'm putting down and you have the means, please consider contributing $1 toward the financial costs of hosting the podcast. Go to thejoyridepodcast.com forward slash support to make a one-time or recurring donation. On this long-awaited season finale, we hang out at Stream PDX with bike adventure organizers and general badasses Molly Sugar of Friends on Bikes and Jocelyn Quarrell of Como Rabi Cycling. Molly and Jocelyn are two of the six gals responsible for heading up WTF Bike Explorers, and I'm so excited to share this chat with you. On this episode, we hang out in a cute and cozy little Airstream turned into a recording studio and talk about all the good stuff, including WTF Bike Explorers and what they have planned for whitefish, their favorite stretches of road, digging cat holes, camping jitters, and so much more. But first, I want to wish a big congratulations to badass woman on the bike, Aisha McGowan, founder of AQuickBrownFox.com. Aisha's on the cover of this month's Outside Magazine. Make sure you pick up a copy at your local newsstand. Also, check out Aisha's first bicycling mag byline with 10 tips the industry can use to promote diversity. Aisha was a guest on episode number 25 of The Joyride, so give that a listen. And make sure you check out her show, Fix It Black Jesus, which she co-hosts with cyclist and mechanic Laura Solis. Warning, you might get uncomfortable, but that feeling is just your privilege squirming. It won't kill you, so settle in, open your ears and minds, and listen up. Okay, friends, are you ready to hang out with Molly and Jocelyn? Good. So am I. Again, make sure you check out the show notes at thejoyridepodcast.com forward slash zero four zero, and stick around after the interview for some additions to the bike love calendar. What do you say? Let's do this thing. Let's meet Molly and Jocelyn. Jocelyn Quarrel and Molly Sugar, welcome to the Joyride. Oh, I just pulled my headphone thing right out, so I'm still talking, but I can't hear myself, which is very dramatic. That's so good. That's so good. That makes me so happy, and I'm back. That's a good intro. I was here the whole time. Isn't that great? So how's it going? Fantastic. Welcome, welcome to this super cozy. Airstream, that's also a recording studio. Isn't it amazing in here? It's like a basement and 
<laughs> cozy and lots of things on the walls. Yeah, I, I appreciate the funkiness going on in here. Yeah. Like you got a photo of a goat right over your shoulder. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like what what's the message here? Some you know, uh some, some Seuss. So- yeah. <laughs> some Seuss. Unicorns. That's Just good stuff. Poems for my childhood. And this Frisbee by the Masters book. Yeah, Which, I haven't uh, I haven't cracked that open yet. I got to yeah. be honest with you. <laughs> My husband coaches frisbee. Really? We have we like used to have a professional frisbee team here in Portland. So there you go. That in Portland, that professional is, frisbee. That is news to me, and I'm so <laughs> glad that I know that now. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah, so we're here in Portland. It was freaking windy today. Oof. It was, it was brutal. It was really brutal. It was like an extra 20 minutes on the commute that I was not anticipating. It was like, you got it done. In the sideways uh, rain in your face. The sideways rain is mm-hmm. like the, one of the most magical features. <laughs> I feel like, you know, you're like, you're trying to buffer, stay away from the vehicles. Sideways rain. What's your commute like? It's down... Well, not today. It wasn't down Greeley, but it usually mm. is. But today was like, we're staying away from the bluffs. Yeah. yeah. So it's I'm up in St. John's and then going to the Pearl. So I usually stay along the bluffs, except for when it's super windy like yeah. today. That's when you know you're a true Portlander. You know what route to take. Yeah. Weather dependent. Based on the wind. <laughs> That's true. I feel like that means I can get a cart or something now. Yeah. That's great. But you're still north to south. I'm a north to south commuter as well. And we get the short end of the stick. Mm-hmm. More more days than not in the I've winter. I noticed that. We're on team headwinds. Do you high um, five over yeah, team headwinds? Uh, <laughs> You're kind of on team I headwinds am too. too. Now. Woo. Uh do you remember your haiku from this morning? Oh yeah, I do. Um riding north to south, such a fierce headwind. I am a badass. Because <laughs> that's what I felt when I went to when I got to work. I was just like, I can't believe I finally made it. That took so damn long. But it was a good ride, nonetheless. Yeah. You know, there were a few moments of just like, wind is one of those few things that will actually make me yell out loud when I'm riding my bike. Because I'll just get blasted and I'm like, ah, I <laughs> there's that, no other reaction you I can did have. I today too. Yeah. I definitely did. And I don't typically do that. Um, except sometimes the day after an election or like when there's like <laughs> a really big headwind because that was like, it was like screaming down interstate then. Yeah. Like, yeah, so <laughs> better watch out for you guys. Watch out, <laughs> but yours. So how, how? So you're not so much the screaming into the wind type, then, Molly. Uh, I s- squeal, <laughs> like giggling into the wind. Yeah, that's great. That's a heck of an attitude. It is. Yeah. yeah. Try to adopt that. Yeah, really. That's good stuff. <laughs> um. So I want to know. I want to know so many things, but I want to start with. Um, where did y'all learn to ride your bikes? Like, do you remember when you learned to ride a bike and like where in the world that was and what that was like for you? Uh, when I was probably four years old, (laughs) I had like this pink, uh, tricycle. My brother, he's eight years older than me. So I follow him and his friends along in Maryland in the suburbs uh, just going through the neighborhoods with all like the neighborhood kids, like we're like a little biker gang. Um, and then I stopped biking because it's the suburbs and there's nowhere to bike. Um, and then I went to Virginia Commonwealth University in Richmond, Virginia, and it's a small city. So anywhere you can get to is by bike. Um, it's similar to Portland, but a lot smaller. 
and that's when I really got into biking. I would commute to work. Um, I worked at Smoothie King. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, make smoothies, you know, bike home. And it was like a two-mile commute. And like little by little, I like biked more and more. I had like a group of friends in Virginia at school who all biked. And we'd all like gather in the compass, which was like outside the dining hall. And we all be like, let's all meet at the compass. And then we like get our bikes and hang out there and like ride around town. Um, that was in college? That was in college. Cool. Yeah. And then after that, I moved to New York. This is, Sorry, I'm like telling you everywhere I've been. <laughs> no, that's totally cool. <laughs> Life story. Yeah. And in New York, it's totally different than Richmond, Virginia. Um, a lot more people, a lot more cars. Um, but the best way, again, for me was to go by bike or by train. I didn't have a car. Um, it's so expensive. Cars are not practical in New York or in a lot of places, but definitely in New York. Yeah. I didn't have the money to live that lifestyle. (laughs) Like we can't, you can't even have like a closet in New York, let alone a car. I lived in a closet. Yeah, exactly. I had my bike in it too. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Cozy. And I rode my, in New York, it's not too hilly. So I rode my fixie there. Low maintenance, um, just got me from work. I would go on, like, try to go on longer rides across, like, the GW Bridge. And then, like, my knees would give out because it's a fixie. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and then I started doing, like, the um, the New York, like, uh, century rides there. They have, like, the Five Borough Bike Tour, the New York Century. And, like, these are some, like, the biggest organized rides in the country. They're really well organized. Mm-hmm. And those are, like like 75 to 100 miles and that's when I started getting to longer rides and then I moved here where like you can go anywhere outside of Portland and it's beautiful and you can find a variety of types of riding from gravel to pavement to single track which I'm learning from Jocelyn (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome yeah that was and you moved across the country by bike too yeah I did that too (laughs) um Okay, so I definitely, I want to ask you about your trip. Okay. Damn it. <laughs> what are we going to do about that? Your headphone is... Yo, that's not going to work. That's not going to... I'm not going to be able to do that, though, because I can't Aww. do that constantly. Maybe we can tape it. No, it's... Uh, I'm just going to have to do something maybe differently around this there and keep go. it up out of my... Italian (laughs) East Coast mannerisms. We'll see what happens. Sorry about the yelling. Um, We're going to cut that out. Hopefully. I'll remember to do that. Solid gold. It's, uh, (laughs) y'all, anyway. Anyway. Um, So I do want to ask you about about your trip across the country. Um, Jocelyn, where did you learn how to ride a bike? What do you remember about it? I grew up in Texas, and I um, grew up riding bikes with my family um, as I was a kid. Like, I recently got to watch a little video of myself from my um, my grandfather's like big videotape collection, like with his giant cam camcorder <laughs> yes. that used to carry it around. Um, and it was great just to see like freewheeling like six year old Jocelyn. Um, it was and it was pretty cool. Like I wasn't wearing a helmet, which I gave my parents so much shit about. I was like, why am I not? <laughs> Why is my head not protected here? They were like styrofoam back then, too. They were like, they didn't make kids' helmets in the 80s. Yeah. (laughs) And I was like, I don't think that's right. Um, 
But yeah, I, I always kind of had bikes in the background, even when I got into middle school and high school, I would still tool around the neighborhood. And that was a very uncool thing for a Texas kid to be doing. Um, you were either like way into horses um, or you were like way into a Mustang, like the car. Mm-hmm. And it was like one or the other. That's it. Um, so bikes were with this weird thing in the middle, but I still enjoyed it. Um, I didn't really know any better between like being cool and not cool. Um, and I took a bike to school with me. I went to school at St. Edwards University in um, Austin, Texas. And um, I would commute to class. I was like one of the three cyclists on campus. Um, And I just, I don't remember ever making a big deal out of it. At that time, I definitely didn't identify as a cyclist. Mm -hmm. It just made sense to like get around by bike. Um, And then I moved to Boston after I graduated from college. I'm doing the same thing, like telling you my whole life story (laughs) by my movements. Um, And um, that's where I kind of figured out what I was doing as far as bikes is, was concerned. My first ride in Boston was a catastrophe. Um, I was on all the wrong roads, like mm-hmm. being run off the road by like these very impatient um, mass holes. And um, I got a flat tire because I like fell into this pothole the size of a Volkswagen and like bent my rear rim and I got really upset and I like literally threw the bike into a closet and like slammed the door. And it stayed there for a couple of years. Um, and then... I met a guy um, who persuaded me to get it back out of the closet. He was a cyclist and had been his whole life. And he kind of totally recharged my spirit toward cycling and got me um, set up with um, a commuter bike. So I was able to start doing that. And I I went like crazy for it. Like overnight, I was all of a sudden that weird girl in the office that was like commuting by bike. Um, Again, like (laughs) I didn't even, I didn't know better. I was just like, I loved the freedom of it. I loved not having to wait for the train or the bus or the bus and the train um, or being stuck in traffic. I'm just like, this is the way to get around this mm-hmm. small, crazy, dense town that's, you know, literally cow paths that were paved over. Like, that's what Boston is. And it's nonsensical by any other form of transportation mm-hmm. um, than a bike, as far as I was concerned. Um, and I started to get into mountain biking about that point in time, too. Um, and then I got hit by a car uh, when I was commuting home uh, from my, um, I was working at a bike shop at the time. Um, and that was a pretty big deal. I was on a custom bike. And so um, the whole that was ruined. Uh, but I ended up getting a pretty good payout from the insurance folks. And I parlayed that um, into three bikes, uh, including my first mountain bike. And um, I brought all those bikes with me when I moved to Portland shortly thereafter, looking for a better community that was going to accept me as a cyclist. And, um, and yeah, I've just full speed ahead since then. And like every type of cycling, mm-hmm. I tried road racing when I first got here and had some fun there. Um, but off-road cycling has been my, my primary passion. So. And you got into that mostly through mountain biking Yep, and in that direction. Yeah. I came from a mountain biking background, just basically chasing the guys, um, and this was in Boston where the writing is, um, a little more technical. It's like really punchy, like really, um, sh- sharp ups and downs and rocky and there's no flow in East coast mountain biking. So it was hard to learn. Um, and then I came out here and I was introduced to flow trail. Um, and I started to get some comfort with it and then, um, more and more familiarity, just tons of practice. Like I just rode all the time, um, still chasing guys around, um, and started to get faster and then started to get, um, kind of found my own self-confidence and my own freedom and since then I've gotten my um my mountain bike instructor certification and have kind of um seen you know and then bikepacking came along um right about the time that I was 
I was looking for a new way to experience cycling off-road. Um, and I thought I was going to go the direction of more downhilly. So I like bought a full face helmet, like started to stock up on am- uh, armor because <laughs> I was like, this is getting scary. Like I'm getting, I'm going faster and I'm taking like bigger risks, like mm. going off jumps and drops. Um, but it was a little stressful. I have a day job um, in an office that requires like moving limbs. And so the <laughs> the thought of like being um, not functional was, was intimidating. And it was definitely holding me back as, as far as like wanting to progress my riding skills. And about that time, uh, somebody introduced me to bikepacking and I was like, oh, this is a new way mm-hmm. that I can ride my bike off road. Um, and like all the other forms of cycling, I went pretty much totally crazy for it overnight and got in as deep as I possibly could. Um, so Molly, had you, had you discovered bikepacking before you did your road tour you and you went across the country Mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about that yeah so when I was living in New York um I knew I was a little burnt out and I wanted to change um and I knew I wanted to try uh a new city and everything sort of aligned like all the cars aligned like my lease was up, like my work review was up and I knew I didn't want to stay there. Just like a lot of different things, cards fell into place. And then I like, I think I was just like browsing social media and like the internet and I like followed certain folks who were getting into bike touring. Um, and that was like something I kept going to and was like in the back of my head. So in the beginning of 2016, like, as like a new year's resolution thing it's like this year i want to bike across america and this is how i want to move um and i didn't really know how i was going to do it but the internet knows everything (laughs) (laughs) so i typed it how to bike across america (laughs) google (laughs) and google knows all and it uh brought up adventure cycling since Adventure Cycling started the Trans Am route, which goes from Virginia to Oregon. Um, and it happened to be 2016 was their 40th anniversary. So I'm like, oh my God, this is a sign. <laughs> um, and I knew I didn't want to do it alone. I never bike toured before and I still had a full-time job. I didn't have time to plan out logistics. So I emailed my friends and like hey would you want to join me I got one of my friends from college who I rode with a lot um 10 and he's like sure (laughs) he's just the type of person that's like down for everything and then um I was like okay cool I'm gonna start planning this like I said I had a full-time job (laughs) and I realized wait I don't know what I'm doing um but I went back to adventure cycling's website and they offered tours and that year, since it was the fourth anniversary, they did an under 30 group, which they never did before. Um, actually, a lot of their uh, their audience skews older. It's like retirees, like people who can afford the time off and have the, the means to do it. But this time they did under 30, um, sort of like bringing it back to the roots of when they started Smart. in 1976, when it was like, it was like, 2,000 cyclists mm-hmm. who rode across the country. It was like a movement. and Like uh, hippie kids that yeah. were doing it. <laughs> yeah, and on their like steel bikes with like handmade panniers mm-hmm. and like all the photos from that time from 
Greg's disciple were really inspiring too. So when I like looked at the photos and looked at this group, it was like perfect. Um, and so I joined the under 30 group with my friend Ten, and it was there were 13 of us. There's one tour leader, um, but for the most part, we were like we we stayed as a group like in cooking. Um, we had like a point A and point B destination, but in between. You know, there's 13 folks. We all have different paces and styles. So we sort of, like, formed our own little, like, habits and way of doing it. And it took 72 days from uh, coast to coast. And, yeah, it was life-changing. I want to do it. And then I just got hooked from there on out. Um, being on the road for two and a half months, like, that's all you do is ride a bike like coming back from that, I had like post spiking depression. <laughs> yeah, like a reentry. Yeah, like it coming was. back into real life. And it was what's real life though, <laughs> <laughs> right? Like which True. which side is real life? Yeah. Um, and it was an interesting time to do it. It was when Trump was running for office, and like the towns that we went through, they were always they were small towns. You know, the route doesn't take any. Um, large like we rode on the freeway maybe once um just because of the safety concerns um so most towns were very rural and it was interesting to see that um the political landscape some of the places that we went to but then also just like the community like meeting the folks that live there too um which you wouldn't see on the news um is a totally different experience Mm. yeah can you can you um, go into that a little bit further? Like, why? What that? What do you mean by that? I mean, just like the the generosity, and so many people were just like many times we stayed in churches or people's uh, people would open their homes to thirteen like dirty cyclists, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, or give water to us. Like, now no like my faith in humanity and people like biking across America just was, I don't know, it was uplifting. Yeah. Regardless of any like political yard signs that they may have been presenting. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's definitely one of the things that I always hear. And it's, it um, is one of the things that inspires me to do. I mean, I I want, I want to do a big trip, but to do a cross country trip is to Mm -hmm. experience that and witness it because there's so much, you know, toxicity and divisiveness. And I don't, I just want to like see people in real life and go at that pace and like understand the difference there. So it's, it's interesting that that's one of the things that you, you know, remember about it. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's also can relate to international travel as well. Like we did a trip in Baja, Jocelyn and I, and my friend Ten, who <laughs> biked across America with, and another friend Meg, who I met biking across America too. And yeah, it's like totally different when you're there. And like your expectations are usually blown away just because what you see online or in the news is totally different than How did you discover the off-road bike packing? How did you get into that? 
Uh, I think just live, moving to Portland and having a network of friends who knew where to go of uh, like one of the first trips I did around here was with Jocelyn. Uh, we did the Oregon Stampede, um, which is like a three day route um, from Donnie. Um, mm -hmm. Oregon Bikepacking, Oregon Bikepacking originally created it. Yeah, Those and great roots. Mm -hmm. The roots are also on Rubbish GPS, which <laughs> I work there um, as a designer and being in the environment of having friends and also a work environment where they encourage you to go on the like offbeaten path and explore. I think uh, motiva motivated me to like get off the road, the, the pavement road, I guess. That's cool. Yeah. I'm thinking about... Um just how much it makes sense to you know for a business like that to really like imbue that in their people mm -hmm. you know is like part of the mission and it just makes sense so good job ride with gps mm -hmm. <laughs> they also outfitted me with a great gravel bike because one of their perks is um, they give all the employees a bike when and i only had my touring bike when i came here so just having the the ability to use a different bike opens so many doors for me that's awesome yeah that's a key perk yeah <laughs> it's like jocelyn when she got three bikes from one <laughs> <laughs> and you get three now yeah that's cool only had to get hit by a car to make uh, it yeah, don't. <laughs> well. no, it, was, it was a good thing that happened in hindsight i mean yeah yeah, it's yeah, it's one of those things. It's right? one of those things. It's a it's a rite of passage for for cyclists. So mm -hmm. I kind of feel like I get that out of the way. I don't have to deal with it again. Hopefully, like falling when you if you have like clipless pedals. Oh, gosh, we yes. were just talking about that yesterday. <laughs> do you do you two ride clipless? I it doesn't make sense to me why it's called clipless <laughs> when you clip in. Like I don't get it. Yeah. But okay. I do for uh, longer rides. Um, for mountain biking, I'm still using flats because I'm not yet comfortable with my abilities. And then also, like, for commuting, I am too lazy to put my shoes on sometimes, so I'll, like, <laughs> ride my boots with my <laughs> clipless pedals. Yeah. yeah, I kind of um, mix and match. I was a, I usually was a clipless rider, like, for a really long time for everything commuting, and I just lived in bike shoes. It was, like, part of my identity. I'm like, these are my shoes. <laughs> this is what I do. Um, but since then, I've, I've uh, diversified, and um, so now I ride. I commute mostly on flats, and I did. Um, I mountain bike and bike pack usually clip, clipless, um, but Baja I did on flats, too, because it just made sense for, for that specific route, like super sandy and like not wanting to take that many types of shoes either. Bike shoes are kind of impractical yeah. in the desert. Yeah, makes sense. <laughs> um, you, now, you both are community organizers. Both of you have started, um, I think, were founders or co-founders of groups. Um, tell me a little bit, uh, I guess, Jocelyn, mm -hmm. how... Tell me a little bit about the your group, and I don't even know how to say the name properly, so I'm going to let you go <laughs> with that. It's a common problem. Yeah, I hear this. <laughs> I could guess, but anyway. So tell me how you got into that. All right, so it's called the Komurabi Cycling Team. And Komurabi is a word, it's a Japanese word um, that I heard 
a while ago and I was just kind of holding on to it, like wanting to do something with it. And I wasn't quite sure what it was going to be. Um, but I've just thought it was a beautiful word and it, it, it doesn't have a direct translation to English, but it means, uh, the light that shines through the leaves of trees. So it's like those, um, light rays that you see in the forest. And, um, we get a lot of that here in the Pacific Northwest. And so I've always thought it was like just a beautiful word to say and, um, kind of fit with this theme that I was trying to go for, uh, when I founded the Komrabi cycling team, which is um, um, when it first started, it was a, a, a women's non-competitive bikepacking team. And that like got a little, a lot of people confused and they're like, wait, what's a non-competitive team? And it's like, I'm like, well, it's any other non-competitive team, like a work team or like. We're in it together, but yeah. not against you. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, we're working toward a common goal here. And the common goal was to learn how to bikepack together. Um there were six of us originally that were on the team and none of us had bike packed before. Um, we had a r- range of different cycling backgrounds and experiences and some of us were more comfortable off-road cycling. Others were just getting into it. Um, so it was a great learning experience. Um, I learned a lot more than just bike packing when we were first going. Le- the first year we did it, we, we launched, um, we did a ride every month from May through November and that was our goal is just like get out once a month for a weekend, um, mostly overnighters. We did a, a few like three day trips, um, but it really was just like all about that weekend warrior, like making the most of your Saturday, Sunday. Um, and <clears throat> excuse me, since then, it's kind of like ebbed and flowed. Um, but, you know, I'm trying to kind of re-energize it this year. And now the team is totally open ended. So I'm inviting everybody to be a part of it. Um, and it just is. You know, having a uh, being excited to learn how to bike pack is the first step. Going bike packing is the second step, and then the third step is to share what you've learned with others and invite other people to go bike packing with you. Um, and you know, changing from focus strictly with women and kind of opening, broadening that audience now to um, women, trans, femme, and non-binary identifying uh, people as well. Um, and that's been a, a learning process through this other group, the WTF Bike Packers that Molly and I are a part of. Um, but it's 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 great. It's we have a lot of fun and um, yeah, looking to host some rides. We've been doing the past couple of weeks. We've been doing some clinics to um, educate people about bike packing. And it's been great. We've been getting a, a good good turnout, and um, people are asking questions. They seem really engaged. So it's inspiring. I can't wait to see everybody out there this summer. Yeah, it looks like you had a really great turnout mm-hmm. at the clinic. There was one last night, right? There was, yep. That's, yeah, it looked good. Mm-hmm. Um, M- Molly, tell me a little bit about your experience with Friends on Bikes. Yeah, so Friends on Bikes is a women of color and trans and gender nonconforming people of color cycling group. Um, we started, uh, my friend Grichal and I started it last March, so it's been a year now. And the idea was um, we wanted to see more diversity in cycling um, within Portland, um, but also just uh, more visibility online as well. Um, So we try to encourage uh, just more awareness at a higher level um, by sharing posts and just making it a little outside of our vicinity, um, which is a- another important uh, aspect of our group. 
but it's not just about biking. Um, but anyways, the we've done a, a variety of social rides. Um, we kicked off with the donut ride last March. Um, and then we've also done some bike camping trips. Uh, we had a trip to Milo McIver State Park. Um, it was 11 of us, eight of them, uh, of the people who went had never gone bike camping before. Um, before that, we did like a little workshop um, to teach folks like the ABCs of bike touring. Um, and then, and out of that group, um, one of the people that attended, SJ, came from Seattle and they're really inspired by what we're doing here and they started a Seattle chapter which kicked off in uh, October and there when we kicked it off we had another bike camping trip <laughs> which um, isn't a goal of ours for this year is to continue doing that just because uh, it was really exciting to teach others like that's where my passion for cycling has transformed into um, since moving in to Portland. I just want to pass that along to others. Um, yeah, it's been a great journey. I think in the, the beginning, we had uh, no idea what mm -hmm. our group would turn into. I think, as Jocelyn mentioned with her group, it's sort of like ebbed and flowed. Um, same with Friends on Bikes, uh, where trying to uh, meet the needs of the community. And I think that's important, like not to be so rigid because we want it to be fun. We want it to be um, organic, yeah. Really good. welcoming. Welcoming, yes. And good and um, fit into your life as well. Right. right. Which, is, uh, which is something like in the year two of Comrade, I was like, oh, I'm getting tired of planning trips for just like every month for for people yeah you get burnt so, out you do it's yeah, a lot totally yeah but um to touch on something that you're talking about molly i think that representation aspect just like to just post photos is such a huge part um of what we're doing and that was that's kind of what led me to start the Komrabi cycling team as i was doing a bunch of online researching trying to teach myself how to bike pack and like Everything I was reading was by men. All the photos I was seeing were dudes. And I was just like, where are, where's me represented in this sport? Um, and I didn't have a hard time finding it. So I was like, or I found, I was having a hard time finding it. So I was like, well, I'm just going to create it and put it out there so that other people can identify with an, with this, with my experience and see themselves in this, in this space doing the same thing. And hopefully it'll encourage them to give it a shot. Yeah, I, th I think it's really key. I, you know, I mean, we see this, we see this so much. I mean, we're seeing this with um, this, the little girl w looking at the, the picture of uh, the painting of Mo Michelle Obama, you mm. know, we see this with all of the, um, the representation with Black Panther. Yep. Um, Pardon the interruption here, Joy Riders. A thought occurred to me while I was riding home from this interview that I wish had popped into my head in the moment. While it's important for people, especially those folks from marginalized communities and cultures, to see examples of themselves reflected in strong images, it's equally important for those folks in majority groups to see members of those outgroups in that way also. Make no mistake, we're programmed by what we see. Popular images show us who we are and who we can be. It's as valuable to um, normalize these images for other groups as it is to inspire ourselves to greatness. 
There. Now, back to the bike love. You know, um, I just think it's so important. And I really love it. I love what I love what y'all are doing with that. I think it's fantastic. Um, Thank you. <laughs> how did you two meet? How did that actually happen? Do you remember? Um, yeah, I think I had been having a few meetings with um, Kevin, who works at Ride with GPS. I can't even remember what it was about now. It was a contest that we were collaborating on or, or something. Because I work in the bike industry as well for a company called Portland Design Works. So in a, in a professional capacity, I was meeting with Kevin. And he just was... Um, he was like, hey, we just hired this this new woman um, to, to help with our design. Uh, she seems really cool. She, you guys should probably meet. Um, oh, that was right about the time that Ride with GPS was launching the ride reports yes. aspect. Mm -hmm. and um, Bike stories online. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think that was the contest that PDW was kind of wrapped up in. And I was like, oh, this seems like a good excuse for me to take a day off of work and go like, do some field, field work, quote, unquote. Nice. Um, and so let's plan a trip. And um, so we invited, Molly said yes. And then um, Jude from Sugar Will Works said yes as well. Um, and so the three of us rode together for, for three days. Jude and I had ridden um, together before. Um, but Molly um, generously showed up, like, not knowing either of us. Like, total strangers. Here we go. We're going to spend three days together on bikes. Bravery. Yeah. And this was, like, out in the wilderness, bikepacking off, like, uh, gravel and off-road? It was or? not a beginner-friendly route. I mean, it was many miles, uh, much elevation. Lots uh, of cold weather. Yeah. Wind. <laughs> it was spring. It was early April. Yeah. Um, so we were really pushing the weather. Um, but... I know Jude always has a great attitude. I tend to have a good attitude when I'm out there on my bike mm -hmm. too. And, and turns out Molly has a great attitude as well. So we had a good it time. It worked perfectly. Yeah. yeah we were a like good the fit. three musketeers. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I'm remembering, I'm remembering um, something about listening to Beyonce. I'm remembering your, your mm -hmm. Live the Revolution story. <laughs> and so I feel like there's something really... Um, do you have a, do you have a key song to really help you Ooh. get over a, a particular spot? It changes. Um, yeah, it kind of changes. It was for a while. It was um, it, anything on the Lemonade album, and now I've kind of like backtracked, and I'm back to. Um, I think that it was EXO is the album that I'm like way into right now. So her, her, the song Blow is like my go-to right now. It has a it has a good funky beat to it. Oh my gosh. Check it out. <laughs> the music um, video is really killer too. It's great. Um, so tell me a little bit about the bike. Is so is it bike explorers or is it bike explorers? Help me. Is this like a you're looking at each other like this is a debate? <laughs> <laughs> this is a little. We did talk about it when we, we did were talk first. About it. Yeah, it was a hard thing to name. We spent a couple few weeks trying mm -hmm. to go back and forth and like brainstorming ideas and then talking about it over email. Um, so we did, we just pronounce it bike explorers. Um, you just drop that second, second E. We just gotcha. mush those two words together. And we're like, this is going to be a thing now. We're just going to make it a proper noun. That's fun. In and of itself. We made our own word. Yeah. You should. Yeah. Take it back. <laughs> make, make a new one. This is ours. <laughs> yeah. Um, so tell me a little bit about this group and it is a group you are two members of is it six mm -hmm. people tell me a little bit about um how did this happen <laughs> first of all how did this happen 
And um, what what is it? And what do you got in planned? I well, a lot of us know each other um, either individually or just like small groups of us know each other from the internet or from um, Sarah and Mary, our sisters. So they obviously know each other. <laughs> they go um, way back. <laughs> they go way back. Um, but one particular moment when it was uh, Whitney, Jocelyn, and I, we were in Whitefish, Montana um, for Whitney's birthday. Um, and I know Whitney because she was a tour leader for the Adventure Cycling Under 30 group um, when I biked across America. So she led your group? She led our group for the first two weeks, and then she uh, let the other leader take on. But I kept in touch with her afterwards because she's like the guru of everything. And I was like, I need to learn from you, Master <laughs> Whitney. <laughs> so I like, uh, yeah, so we kept in touch. Um, Jocelyn, you knew Whitney from the internet. The internet. Um, first. It's so powerful. Yeah. <laughs> um, Instagram, mostly. Um, and then she did an interview for, um, she interviewed me about Komarabi for our art project installations that she was doing in uh, Missoula for the bike centennial, I think. So, um, yeah, the first time we met, it was at a dinner party and we sat out on the porch and like, torrential rainstorm and uh she just like interviewed me with like a just a little recorder it was great so that was our first conversation um but we we made great riding she's she's so awesome to ride with um so yeah that montana trip was kind of the catalyst there was yeah in the one moment where we um it was on our first day it's a three-day trip and we kind of came around this corner and there were um two young girls uh riding their bikes with their dad and uh, so they were kind of coming incoming on us and we rode up to them and we were facing off with each other. And uh, we were looking down at them, like huge smiles, like so super stoked to see this like cute little scene. And they were looking up at us with their eyes like big and bright. And uh, it was just this awesome juxtaposition of like, you know, in not too many years, like you're going to be here, hopefully. How do we make sure that you are here, mm -hmm. that you keep up with what you're doing now? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, and then we came back like really fulfilled and talking about um, doing something over the summer that would kind of further that that feeling, further that passion. So, yeah, and I think on these trips, it's a way for us to sort of vent about frustrations um, in life, and then also <laughs> <laughs> of things we want to change, and you know, uh, bike packing and bike touring is such like an in intimate uh experience with your comrades and um we all sort of like talking about the same frustrations about not seeing diversity within like uh conferences or diversity within certain cycling representation and then how can we uh create that change ourselves if all of us have these independent things that are like itching us to like make change why don't we do this all together um like there's power in numbers and um i think whitney and other folks are having these other side conversations as well 
um, I think her and Sarah were talking, and it was just like little pods, and um, it was just the right timing of everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sarah sent like an email, like, "Hey, let's make this happen," mm-hmm. and that was sort of like the fire to to spark this. Yeah, and that was back in November, October, November last year, mm-hmm. and since since December, we've been consistently having um like conference calls google hangouts every every monday uh which is great it's like such a wonderful way to kick, kick off the week it's just by tuning into this uh group of group of women that are highly motivated and excited about giving of their time and their knowledge um to make make positive change happen in our community and in our industry yeah we do a monday call just because all of us in different are in different mm-hmm. locations um around the country so it's funny like finagling with technology like (laughs) every we do this every monday but something always goes wrong (laughs) and it's always like a different thing right like i don't know why the sound isn't working like i didn't do anything different well and people are be traveling and they're like okay i'm trying to log in from like such and such cafe like in middle of nowhere you know south america so we'll see how the wi-fi works that's so cool (laughs) And that's Sarah. She, <laughs> she's always on awesome trips. We're it's like, true. oh, we're still in Portland. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That seems so awesome. Um, it's reminding me of uh, this African proverb. If you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just like there is power in numbers. And I love that you have like this, you know, really... Um, grassroots way of like having these different little clusters of like mm-hmm. how you're kind of creating those changes in different locations mm-hmm. that I mean that's super cool um and then the idea that there will be a summit so it's all sort of like working towards like this big sort of like group trip mm-hmm. and like brain share mm-hmm. um so it's just that's that's pretty cool um we got really lucky in that everybody came to the table with different but um, supporting skill sets where it was like pretty pretty clearly we knew what we were responsible for because it was like, well, what are you good at? We'll just do that. And everybody had like kind of their um, That's awesome. area of expertise that they just kind of, you know, flex their, their muscle on. And there's definitely overlap and there's definitely, you know, we work together on, on certain things, but it's it's great to... It's great to have like so many different skill sets and ton of experience and different regionality understanding and and um, influence in the community and stuff to be able to to work with. It's so good. <laughs> um, so what? So why? Who is it for? Who who would you say this group in all of its different clusters is for, and why is that important? I always think about um, why I started Friends on Bikes, and I'm sure it's the same what you talked about of Kamarabi, and it's um, the frustration of not seeing yourself represented um, when you know there are people out there. And you touched on this before, it's like, there's a reason why we're having it all across America, and it's, it's not just Portland um, or the Pacific Northwest. Um, we know that there are others that feel frustrated of, of uh, 
they're not being represented. And I think the summit is a way for us to all gather. Um, but it's not like also from a negative place. <laughs> There's a lot of positivity in that um, the the reason why I'm doing it is bringing it back to like the first friends on bikes bike camping trip that I um, helped organize is just like teaching others what I just learned within a year and a half. Um, you know, I'm not, I don't have 10 years experience, but I have something that I think could help others get their foot in the door. And I think if you get enough folks who feel the same way, like that can create a lot of change. And I, that's what fuels me is just like the spreading of knowledge, the, the safe community and like the representation, like seeing yourself there um, is why I'm really excited about this summit and ride series. Yeah, we have a little spiel on our website that I can do you mind if I read? Please. To just say yeah, yeah. Who who we are and what we're for. So it's 100 uh, percent women, transgender, femme, and non-binary gravel grinders, mountain bikers, bike packers, day ride explorers, long distance road riders, bicycle tours, backpackers converting to bike packing, and individuals looking to incorporate camping with biking. So it's pretty open ended. I love it. Yeah, I, I mean that's one of my favorite aspects of cycling is that you like you talk about a bike. And going on a bike ride. And there's so many different ways that you could do that. It could be fixed gear. It could be, you know, um, a mountain bike with like, you know, however many different speeds to it. It can be, it can be a tri bike. It can, there's all these different ways that you can cycle. And, um, and that the same holds true with bikepacking. I like to call it a, an open source activity. It's just like pick and choose what you like from it and make it your own. Like basically all you need is a bike and to get outdoors. But other than that, like you can make it exactly fit. Like who you are, how you like to do it, where you're at, and then grow with it. Yay! Yay! <laughs> um, I think it's so. I think it's so powerful to help help folks um, get comfortable being in the woods. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I don't. I haven't been out like bike packing. I haven't like. I've only been on a few short tours. They're super like. They're just not remote. Um, but even that is like there's just something to be said for getting people comfortable with like camping and being in the mm -hmm. woods. And I think that there's that's a huge disconnect for a lot of communities because that is typically a place where the scary movies happen. You know what I mean? And it's like not safe. So um, like in the in the psyche. And so I think like really reclaiming that is super powerful. Mm -hmm. um, yeah one of the reasons why I love like watching what's happening with that yeah it can be it can be hard I even as much as I camp and love camping the first night out um, I have a really hard time turning off my city brain every noise like wakes me up or kind of makes me nervous or I'll you know um, just being in that density of darkness and uh, away from the city lights it takes a while to disconnect um, but once you let that go um, and realize that you know, while you don't have entirely control over your situation, that this is not an inherently scary place. Like this is this is where we're from. Like we have the skills to exist out there. Um, it's just kind of like tapping back into that, and then finding like power and confidence and um, and freedom in that as well. 
the like the the confidence of being able to literally have everything on you that you need to survive outside of your home for a couple of days is a really really cool feeling and just so yeah it really builds your confidence in yourself mm-hmm. so the apocalypse comes you're set <laughs> you're ready yeah get your little filtered your little filter yeah my earthquake preparedness kit like went it got like totally upgraded when i got into bikepacking i'm like these things are cross cross uh functional here hopefully i don't have to use them for the earthquake they remain strictly bikepacking it's true is there a way we can knock on wood (laughs) anyway um so i want to ask you a couple like practical bikey questions um that i did not prepare you for but it should be pretty easy because it's about food. So mm. <laughs> exactly. Mm. Um, what what kind of Favorite snacks? Topic. Yeah. Like what kind of snacks do you like to eat in the saddle? And like, what do you like to do for camp food and that kind of thing? Yeah, well, we just, we we just, just did a clinic thing. last night mm-hmm. about food and Jocelyn bought all the foods <laughs> for the clinic. <laughs> yeah. Um, I basically bought the foods that I would have on me for a two day, a two day trip. Um, so snacks are like, um, there's so many good bars out there. Like bars used to be, uh, just like super dry and kind of like hard to get down. And now there's so many different flavors, so many different styles, like gluten-free vegan, or they have like, they have like meat bars now even too. Like, so bars are there, they exist. Like that's easy energy. Um, so and then like for lunches, I always do hummus and tortillas, um, packets of peanut butter or almond butter, uh, and avocado is a pretty special treat to have on the bike packing trip. Um, cheese like hard cheese like cheddar that doesn't need refrigeration for a couple of days it works really well. Um, for dinners, I do I I can do dehydrated meals if I'm going a long way, and I'm worried about resupply options. I'll just uh, default to that because it's really easy. But um, I prefer real food. Um, and then there's so many prepared packaged meals in your in your grocery store that you can just like pick and choose from. So I usually get like a packet of mixed grain or something. And then um, so, like there's a bunch of different Indian food like prepared um, like tiki masala or something like that. So you just warm those up together. It's super filling and delicious um, at the end of a day in the bike. And then the next morning's like oatmeal or um, or bagels uh, for breakfast. Bagels are great because they're really smushable. They don't they won't get too damaged if you like really pack it down hard. Very resilient. Yeah. They're very forgiving. Bagels exactly. are. <laughs> um, and then uh, I always I always get a laugh over this, but I I love fancy baby food um, that comes in those like squeezy packets. This is the second time I've heard this. It's so good. Like I just love uh, fruits and vegetables and like maintaining that intake of fiber when you're spending days on the bike and everything else that you're eating is like trail mix. It's, it's good to get some fiber mixed in there. So that fancy baby food is, is really good. I feel like that's key. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's just like, that's a hidden gem. I like the applesauce. Yeah. Yeah. The flavored applesauce. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, I do like impractical things like. <laughs> Perfect. But, <laughs> Like I once carried a pie by bike. (laughs) That's amazing. It's something. Was it not smushed? It was not. It was not smushed. It was not pretty, but it was not smushed. (laughs) Tasted delicious. That's an accomplishment. Yeah. I do bananas, which are great for you know potassium, but 
they smush yeah. so easily. So you have to take lots of care. And I put them like if I wore, I used to wear a lot more jerseys, so it's great for the back pocket. Um, if usually going through convenience stores, I try to get a donut, <laughs> and um, I like eating chocolate. A lot, <laughs> a lot of sugar. Um, and then also like the almond butter packets and a lot of things that Jocelyn mentioned, tortillas and bagels mm-hmm. and things yeah. that you can find pretty consistently no matter where you are because you want that consistency inside you. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you don't wake up um, feeling bad the next yeah, uncomfortable. day for writing. But I think... Uh, as long as you have like PB and J, like your go-to items, um, what the thing I love about bike packing and bike touring is like you can eat a lot of things <laughs> and you can uh, feel okay afterwards. <laughs> yeah, I, I warn people not to experiment with food on bike packing trips. It's not the place to discover whether or not you like salmon jerky, for yeah, example. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Go with what you know. Go with what you like. Go with what your gut likes. So, yeah, mm-hmm. something you're going to be able to eat, even mm-hmm. if you don't really want right. to, per se. Mm-hmm. Um, what's like the unsung hero in your of like the stuff that you pack? What's like your favorite? Did not prep you for this at all. But what's like your <laughs> favorite like thing that you pack that is like I have to bring this on my trip, and maybe it's not practical practical yeah thanks <laughs> thanks for helping me with that yes round it up or maybe it is practical mm. yeah. like my slingshot <laughs> there you go yep. perfect example um i have this sort of fancy slingshot that my boyfriend got me and i don't know how to shoot it but i'm trying <laughs> to learn um it's just fun to have like when you get to camp early and there are usually rocks around most campsites. <laughs> and usually you're drinking um, a beer or some other beverage. And it's just nice uh, um, just have some fun. Yeah. So that's something I bring. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. It's pretty light, too. <laughs> Unless yeah, you're carrying the rocks. Of, yeah, right. <laughs> you can make this real challenging. Which I've done before with friends. Like, we carry rocks and we try to like shoot while we're riding, like the signs, <laughs> ah, which is like next level. Um, that, yeah, like no-handed pedaling and trying to aim. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. That's good. That's. Just try not to hit your friend. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot. You got my brain wheels going. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna try to dial it back a little bit because I'm like thinking about a lot of different things there. Um, <laughs> um, Jocelyn, do you have like uh, sort of like a hidden gem in your packing? Mm. Um, I take an adventure kite with me on a lot yes. of trips. Because <laughs> uh, again, it's like the slingshot in that it's um, super lightweight, easily packable, but like just adds a, f- a fun flair to the to the trip. Um, especially during the summertime when we have really, really long days here in the Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. You bike pack maybe 25 miles. There's a lot of hanging out. Uh, and that's a good thing because that's the time that you get to just like soak up the sights and the sounds of the forest and... Um, and like flying a kite makes for a pretty fun activity to, to pass some time. Um, 
And then I always, I am like a stickler for a first aid kit too. I always make sure my first aid kit is like repacked before each of my trips. So it's good to know that that's like just there mm. for you. It seems like I want to ask you really practically, like what's in your first aid kit? Mm-hmm. Do you like know off the top of your head? Yeah, mostly. we do because we also did the clinic. I know, that, I know. It's, it's really good timing <laughs> to have to have you both in the day after. I know. Just discussed all of really this. Fresh. <laughs> yeah, a bunch of different band aids, um, an emergency like space blanket, some hand warmers, gloves, um, mix of medicines. You know, like your ibuprofens and your uh, Benadryl, Pepto Bismol, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, my my favorite thing in my first aid kit are my Steri strips, which are these great mm-hmm. um, like. They're like sticker stitches um, and they will, they'll put a, um, a fairly deep cut back together pretty easily, like clean it out real well. And then you can just use these stereo strips to, to keep everything, you know, healing, hopefully quickly and sterile (laughs) um, until you have time to get to a hospital or a doctor. First aid kits are key. Mm -hmm. I have like some band-aids and like some Neosporin and some alcohol wipes or something, Mm -hmm. but I hope I don't have to use them. Yeah. I just for good reasons. You can buy pre made kits. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's true. Which is great. And then you just add in those little personal items. Yep. Smart. Yeah. It's a good touch. Mm-hmm. Um what and weed too. We didn't talk about that, but <laughs> <laughs> that's that like the medical. preferred bike packing yeah. tip. Uh it's and a good vice to take bike packing because it's not very heavy. It doesn't take up much room. It's true. Yep. Need those safety meetings. Yeah, and those safety meetings, they come in handy. Yep. You just have to <laughs> just make sure you handle all of your fire appropriately oh, while yes. you're out. Most definitely. Leaving no trace. Mm-hmm. That's these, another thing I'm a stickler things. for, so I'm so glad you mentioned it. Um, if your listeners don't know, there are seven of they them. Should, they should know. Seven principles. Tell us. I don't know them all. Off the top of my- <laughs> Basically, leave no trace. Yeah, leave and no trace. And we'll link in the show notes. We'll have all seven of them there. And um, yeah, but that's absolutely, you know, like it's it's really key if you're going out into the backcountry. Mm-hmm. That is just like you should not go out into the backcountry, even hiking. Yeah, agreed. if you don't understand like that, you need to take care of yourself and most pick of up after yourself. Most of it's pretty common sense. Stuff. It really is, yeah. really super basic. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are other really the key things like <clears throat> um, like hundred feet from a stream right. and like all these. Uh, there's other kinds of things like that. So mm-hmm. don't know them, but I would know them if I needed to. <laughs> um, you got something else? What do you got? No. Um, I felt like you did. Cat holes. How should we talk about that for a second? Let's do it. Okay. Six to seven inches deep. Um, you can like buy a trowel to take with you. Okay. So we're talking about pooping in the woods. Um, do bike packer, packers poop in the woods? They do. Yeah. When yeah. you have to. I mean, it's nice when there's I mean, a vault toilet available or a flush toilet. If you don't toilet, poop, that is. You might, you, oh, you that's why might you eat, have some problems. That's why that baby food comes in handy. <laughs> that fiber. Keep all the systems flowing. Um, yeah, so six to seven inches deep, bury, you know, to, so you dig that space out and then you do a little squat over it um, and then you just bury it and um, try to like, I always try to move some leaves and stuff over the space too to just make look like it w- what happened there just didn't happen there. <laughs> We're leaving no trace. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's a th- no that's trace a- left behind. Aesthetic <laughs> traces as well. Um, 
So yeah, that's that's that. And you mentioned away from rivers. I think yeah, it's like 150 to 200 feet away from any body of water. Um, and uh, peeing in the woods too. You can pee in a cat hole. Oh, you can also um, um, like I prefer using um, a diva cup when I'm bikepacking, and that can be cleaned out into a, a cat hole as well. Um, but peeing is good to do just on a on a rock. If you pee in the dirt, the animals will find it and they'll like, they'll seek out the salt in the urine. So they'll like dig it up. Um, but peeing on a rock kind of negates that potential damage that animals can cause. That's interesting. Yeah. There you go. Um, is, since we're talking about peeing in the woods, mm-hmm. um, do, does anybody, <laughs> <Where's this going? laughs> does anybody use, uh, does anybody use like any of like the pee style or mm. the, um, any of those types of devices? I have not tried it, but I'm very curious. Yeah, really there are a couple different contraptions, mm-hmm. so work differently for different folks. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but that's a conversation. That's um, that's a conversation. I think that maybe does or doesn't happen quite that often unless you're right. in particular groups. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and there's something really empowering. I feel like, especially if you're bike out on the road alone, mm-hmm. about being able to stand up mm-hmm. NP as opposed to being in like a more of a vulnerable position. Sure. Yeah. That's fun. Mm. Good times. Good times. Good times. Great oldies. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I want to ask you a couple more bikey questions. Yeah. Cause I have like a list of them. <laughs> um, does your, does your bike give you a superpower? I knew this was coming. I'm going to put the crickets. I've been trying to think about this one. It's a weird question. I'm not sure how I feel about it. I always like, I'm always like, no, I want to ask that question. And then it's like, nobody knows what to say. I feel like it gives me all my powers. Mm. It's not just one. It's kind of, yeah. Um, and invisibility. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And you can turn Just that going into... so fast, you don't even see me. <laughs> Especially if you're a Lyft or an Uber driver. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. It's true. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Yeah, uh, invisibility, um, strength. Mm-hmm. Strength? I yeah. saw that. You're a little like, mm-hmm. 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 Uh, it's just really empowering to feel like you can go anywhere, anytime, at your means. Um and I haven't had a car in 10 years, so this is all I got. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm just in love with it. Just that that ability. It's just the freedom mm-hmm. of it. I was also thinking last night after uh, the, the clinic that we hosted and how, you know, that was the second clinic that we hosted. So now we've spoke for a total of four hours <laughs> about bikepacking over the past week. And I, I was thinking to myself, I don't think I've considered myself an expert in any other anything. I consider myself an expert in bikepacking. And I'm an expert that is continuously learning. But it feels so cool to feel like I, I know how to do this. I know how to talk about it. I know how to teach people how to do it. It's cool to feel like you're an expert in something. Right. So mm-hmm. Up top. Yeah. Woo. Uh. <laughs> um. Where are some of the favorite places that you have ridden bikes, like your favorite stretches of road or your favorite spots that you've that you've been to? Mm-hmm. Um, That's a good question. Well, this past weekend, we went along the Klickitat Trail, which is um, beautiful 
a gravel road that goes along the Klickitat River. And uh, we did about how many miles? 15? Yeah. 15 along it. Um, and it just goes through these like canyons. Um, and it's, it's secluded. Like the only time you'll see another person is if they're like hiking. Um, and the it ends at this cute little town um, in Klickitat. And the worker, the the people that work in the uh, the market, are the nicest folks mm-hmm. ever. They just started a shuttle shuttle service from Lyle to Klickitat. So if you just want to do a one way down the trail, they'll pick you up. Um, they know what's up. Yeah, yeah. They know what's up. <laughs> there's a lot of fishing in that area. Um, there's some abandoned uh, homes, uh, just like places that have been shut down for like 20 years that you can sort of explore there's an old mill factory mm-hmm. that we went exploring into so there's like a variety of scenery there there's deer uh, sheep running around mm-hmm. yeah it's a really it's a really special place yeah so highly recommend it um i love the white river wildlife area which is kind of hard to say um, but it is out in central Oregon, kind of near Doofer or Friend, Oregon, if, if your listeners know where that is. Both very tiny towns. This is just due, um, due east of like Mount Hood. In the, it's on the backside of the Cascade foothills there. Um, but it's a, it's a really beautiful, um, very remote feeling environment. Mostly Jeep roads that you're riding on. Um, and it can be fairly rugged at times, but there's like, there's waterfalls everywhere. And, um, Molly, we rode through that, um, on that first trip that we did together mm-hmm. too. Um, it's, it's, it's a really lovely place. So I always love going out there. Um, white, uh, the trails around whitefish. Um, I've ridden there now a couple of times and beautiful, beautiful landscapes. Everything is so grand there. Like, you're in the shadow of Glacier National Park, and so it just makes you feel very tiny, which is a nice way to feel mm-hmm. um, sometimes. So, but most most gravel roads, I think, are I, I I catch myself going like, "Oh my gosh, this is so beautiful! Oh my gosh, I love this place! Oh my gosh!" <laughs> like the whole time I'm bike packing, there's very rarely an, um, a time when I'm like, "Oh, this is this isn't an, <laughs> this isn't entertaining." <laughs> I think the all time favorite. Now that you mentioned that uh-huh. is uh in baja uh this one road saint Teresa mm-hmm. road which is like right along the sea of cortez um and you just like never-ending expansive blue on the left side and on the right is just like the canyon <laughs> so you're you can't like take your eyes off too far <laughs> off the trail <laughs> you might fall over but um it was just beautiful and you have the beach below you so you're elevated a little bit too. That sounds great. Yeah. Um, uh, it sounds like a really beautiful trip, the mm-hmm. Baja trip. Um, what else is on your bike at list? Where else do you want to ride bikes? Uh, next <laughs> uh, Christmas, uh, I want to do the Cuba Trans route. Um, it's on bikepacking.com. And I think Swift, they just did some posts about it. Uh, some folks who just did it but it's warm 
Um, also, I really want to see Cuba. Mm. Um, I think it seems like a fascinating place to visit. Um, less technology. <laughs> and just now that we're able to go there um, is also really great. Um, and it's nice to go like from Christmas to New Year's because I can use like some of my vacation days. Um, so yeah, be a nice trip. Sim- similar to Baja, in that it's it'll be like a fourteen day trip, and then I'll like really want to go back again, <laughs> <laughs> not nice. do work. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to join that one. I'm gonna hope, hope for a schedule that allows it again this year. Um, my my big to do is to ride the total, the whole Oregon Timber Trail this summer. Uh, which is another organization that I'm a, a part of. So the the Oregon Timber Trail is a through mountain bike trail that goes from southern Oregon all the way to northern Oregon. So from California all the way up to Washington. It's 670 miles long um, with some pretty substantial elevation gain and loss. Basically it goes right along the, the spine of the Cascades. Um, and you get to see some really beautiful uh, remote um, trails, especially those down farther south that um, have been in, in disrepair and, and unused for a few decades. So we're kind of like opening those trails back up to utilization. Um, and then riding a lot of the like classic Oregon, Central Oregon single track trails around um, like the McKenzie River area and um, the Deschutes, you know, like around Bend. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited. I'm planning to take 25 days to ride that this summer. Very nice. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's like a nice chunk of time. Yeah. <laughs> tell, tell me about it. Tell my employer about it. <laughs> Give Jocelyn that time. <laughs> it is key. It's good. Um, what do I want? Where do I want to go with this? Cause we're about rounding. We're about rounding up. Oh, I do have a good one for you that I probably prepared for it. Cause you're like, yeah. Um, okay. Gals. If you could ride your bike with anyone living or dead anywhere in the world, who would you go for a bike ride with, where, and why? Just one. It could be a group ride. It could be a tandem. (laughs) You can live your life. (laughs) Tell me your dreams. Mm. All right. Well, I actually did not prepare for this. So off the cuff. I kind of love it. (laughs) Um, okay. So, so two people, um, Annie Londonderry was the first woman to ride her bike around the world, um, in the early 20th century. Um, just like on a, like rickety old Oma style bike. Um, she, she literally like rode her bike around the world, which blows my mind that a a solo woman did that in that day and age. Um, so she would be kind of cool to like ride with and talk about her experience and how obviously like so much has changed. Um, and then the other is probably uh, my husband. Um, we have done one big bikepacking trip together. We did the Oregon Outback together before we were married. So that's good um, that we like survived that experience. And so it's a good way. It's married. a good way to know. <laughs> but we haven't gone on a big biking <laughs> bikepacking trip since then. Um, so and that's okay. He's he's not the same kind of cyclist that I am. Um, and so um, he lets me kind of do the cycling style that I, I do. 
Um, and then he has other activities like we were talking about Frisbee that he does in golf. Um, but it's nice to overlap and do. I would love to get back out on a trip with him. So he needs a new bike for it. Nice. <laughs> what do you think, Molly? Well, one trip that I really want to do is in Korea. Um, so I was born in Seoul, but I came to the States when I was a baby. And I really want to go back there. And they have these pristine bike paths all throughout South Korea. And there's one from Seoul to Busan, which is the southern tip. But I, if I could, I would try to find an off-road route <laughs> that goes from north to south. Um, I would love to do that uh, with my partner and my family and anyone else, all my friends. <laughs> I want to just take everyone. Everyone. <laughs> everyone. Right on. <laughs> yeah. Right on. Um, so is there anything else that you want to talk about that you, is there anything else you want to mention um, before we wrap up? Yeah, I'll, uh, I want to talk about the bike explorers, the WTF bike explorers yeah. a bit. So um, if your listeners aren't yet, they should follow us on Instagram, WTF bike explorers. Sign up for all the things. Sign up for all Subscribe the things. Subscribe for you, to newsletters. Yeah, we just sent out our, our first newsletter this week, which is just kind of an intro. But next week, we're going to send out a really important newsletter talking about our ride series. So our ride series is the, they are rides <laughs> that we'll be doing in different places around the country kind of in the lead up to the summit. So it's a way that people can, um, you know, wherever they're coming from can do a ride and participate. They don't necessarily have to go all the way to Whitefish. Maybe their schedule doesn't allow for it. Um, but they can, they can incorporate with these, these local regional rides. So we're going to, uh, launch, you know, dates and places, uh, for those. So that's a big deal. And we also have, a um, a Facebook group. So not just a Facebook page, but a group, um, that you have to be, they have to um, ask for approval to join, um, but it's really, I mean, um, super easy. We just say approve. Um, and then you can um, participate. No, we have in, a secret process. <laughs> you have to go through an no, initiation really, yeah. process. <laughs> um, and then you can be part of this conversation that's going on, um, just introducing yourself, talking about what style. It. The first post was just like, tell us what kind of bike do you ride, and like post a photo of it. And it was great to see all the different styles of bikes that are out there that people are riding. Um, so it'd be, I'm, I'm super excited to see that place becoming, um, like a conversation starter mm -hmm. where, um, people can learn from each other, ask questions of each other, share tips, post rides, all kinds of good stuff. So yeah. In there. And we also, um, today we announced that we want to have folks reach out to us and tell us about their bike stories. Um, we told y'all about how we started. We want to hear, um, from more people, uh, women, trans, femme, non-binary folks, and just know that um, they have a platform um, to share their story. So they can email us at wtfbikeexplorers at gmail.com with some story that they like to share and a photo. And uh, we'll try to post that once a week, every Thursday, on our social accounts. Mm -hmm. Nice. Nice. <clears throat> So write it up, send it in, um, subscribe to the newsletter because the, because the man <laughs> holds all the keys on social. The woman. Well, I mean, like, the thing about social is, you know, you're always, like, kind of building your castle on someone else's sand. Yeah. So 
you want to get people to subscribe this is just <laughs> a marketing you. i mean it's this is a marketing thing this is like yeah. this is for real like if yeah. you don't get people to subscribe to your to like your own thing mm-hmm. then when facebook decides that you're offensive and they want to turn you off you lose access to your group that's well, true you get your account turned off or whatever and you don't have those contacts mm-hmm. so this is not what you're going for but this is the, <laughs> my point is my point is is that that's why people should subscribe because if something dumb happens mm-hmm. because someone else is holding the keys to those platforms there's still a way to be in touch with your with your people totally mm-hmm. um yeah awesome and, and you don't have to be a bike packer or a bike tour you don't have to have any experience at all like come as you are tell us where you are mm-hmm. tell us maybe tell us what your dreams are like what you what your goals are for this year any anywhere That's, right like why like what yeah like maybe i would i would think if someone hasn't doesn't have a story to share like right. what are you interested in mm-hmm. why why are you excited absolutely mm-hmm. cool i can't wait to see those yeah it's, it's gonna, gonna be, be really fun yeah it was a good idea molly story. Mm-hmm. maybe maybe i will <laughs> maybe i will um gals i really appreciate your time tonight i'm glad we got to hang out and um Looking forward to watching adventures and hopefully getting to go out and participate on some. Absolutely. That'd be good stuff. Please. Yeah. Thanks for the invite. Thank I really you. enjoyed it. Awesome. Yeah. Um, thanks to everybody listening. Thanks, listeners. Go sign up and leave no trace. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll talk to you soon. Peace. Bye. 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 Yeah. All right. Woohoo. That's how we'll do that. Big thanks to Molly Sugar and Jocelyn Quarrel for hanging out, and thanks to all the WTF Bike Explorers, including Whitney, Sarah, Mary, and Nam, for all the work they're doing to get folks on bikes out into the wild. I had the pleasure of going to the third and final bike adventure workshop that Jocelyn and Molly coordinated at Cup and Bar here in Portland. I got to hang out, have some beers with pals, do some learning, and hear some great stories from voices you already know, like friend of the show Molly Futterman uh, back from launch week. She told us about a recent bike packing trip to Costa Rica that she took, and also some other new voices that I hope to introduce you to soon. Oh, and all you Molly Sugar fans out there, check her out on PLP Talks. Link in the show notes, which again, you'll find at thejoyridepodcast.com forward slash zero four zero. All right, Joyriders, additions to the bike love calendar. Strawberry Century, um, they've got a whole range of routes available from like 13, 25, 50, 75 miles, 100 miles. So if you're not doing um, Cycle Oregon's Joy Ride, uh, the Strawberry Century is another thing you could do there. That's in Lebanon, Oregon on June 9th. And then I will be hosting another women bike camping trip uh, along with the Street Trust. That's going to be June 16th through 17th. Uh, make sure you're on the Facebook group for that for Women Bike. Um, also, the Swift Summit Northwest, a crazy enduro riding, a 100-mile route, and a double century 200-mile route. That's August 11th. You are much braver than I am. Um, and finally, Veni Vidi Velo, aka V3, has set a date August 17th through 19th. Um, 
Oh, and that's not finally, because the WTF Bike Explorers also set out their ride series. So um, Patagonia, Arizona is in just a few days from when I'm recording and will publish this. So that's April 12 through 15. Um, California Coast Redwoods Ramble, June 1 through 3rd. Uh, Bend, Oregon, that's the group that Molly and Jocelyn are going to be leading. Bend, Oregon, uh, June 15th through the 17th. Um, Vermont Green Mountain Route, July 20th through the 23rd. And of course, that's all leading up to the Bike Explorers Summit in Whitefish, August 13th through the 15th. Well, friends, if you've been counting, this is the 10th of what was promised to be a 10-episode season. But, well, why not add one more for good luck? Tune in next week for a bonus episode with special guest, friend of the show, Leah Benson, founder and owner of Gladys Bikes here in Portland. She'll pop by the StreamPDX studio for a brief little visit to talk about some current events. Friends, if you enjoyed this show, please share it out with a gal who you think might dig it. That would uh, make me super happy. It would also be great if you'd leave a rating or a review in iTunes or wherever you listen. And maybe consider contributing to the hosting costs at thejoyridepodcast.com forward slash support to help keep the bike love flowing. As always, I appreciate your time and your attention. Remember, friends. Life shrinks or expands in proportion to one's courage. Keep moving forward, and until next time, I hope you enjoy the ride. Oh, good. Mm. I brought pants. <laughs> no, I did not bring pants. Aww. But I am wearing guide. pants.